It's not a lesson where we are going to be able to get into a bunch of scripture. Most of this is just going to be reading today. If we did a if we did an in-depth study about creation, uh, we could we could uh, dig more into scripture. But I want to just kind of expose you to to this, um, and mainly expose you to the dangers of uh, our school system and and the danger of the theory and maybe get kind of uh, see why why uh, the creation is disputed. Not so much creation of the world, but the creation of man. And we're going to begin in verse 26 of the first chapter. <clears throat> and God said, let us make man in our image. <clears throat> of course, us implying that plurality of of the Godhead, three in one. Make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him Male and female created he them. God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of the earth, and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed, to you it shall be for meat. And that's just a word for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth on the earth, wherein there is a life, I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. In the evening and the morning were the sixth day. And then over in chapter 2, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all that his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it, he had rested from all his work which God created and made. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created and the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens and every plant of the field before it was in the earth and every herb of the field before it grew for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth and there was not a man to till the ground but there went up mist, mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the earth. And the Lord God formed the man of the dust of the ground and breathed through his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. And then down to verse 18 of chapter 2. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a help met for him. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them and whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And God gave names to all the cattle, and Adam gave names to all the cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found and help meet for him. <clears throat> And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the place instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her into the man. And the man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. 
Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. And so we have the record of the creation. And you need to understand that that the way that it came about was was designed by God for teaching us some lessons. He didn't have to take a rib out of Adam to make Eve. He could have just said, be there, and she could have been there. He could have created it all at once. But there's, there's some things that he's doing when he goes about his creative work. But we want to talk about creation. Uh, and, and like I said, a lot of this I'm just going to read this morning. So get your little uh, folded piece of paper. The Fairbanks Daily News Miner on October 25th, 1996 had the following headline. Pope gives support to evolution theory. And you got to understand that a large majority of the world thinks that what comes out of Rome is uh, the gospel truth. The article went on to say the following. Nearly a century and a half after Darwin's origin of the species, Pope John Paul II has put the teaching authority of the Roman Catholic Church firmly behind the view that the human body may not have been the immediate creation of God, but it's the product of a gradual process of evolution. The article went on to say, Fresh knowledge leads to recognition of the theory of evolution as more than just a hypothesis. Well, it's still still a theory. (laughs) Did God create man or did he evolve? Multitudes of people today believe that man is a product of non-living material plus time plus chance and it'll eventually become living matter. But the Bible, however, declares that in the beginning God created man. And we've read those passages. So let's skip those uh, quotes there. The Pope stands in contradiction of the Bible and is ignorant of the tremendous damage the false theory of evolution has done to mankind. The theory of evolution has created tremendous evil In 1831, Charles Darwin, at the age of 22, signed on with the sailing ship, His Majesty's ship, the Beagle, to be a naturalist. From the observation he made of nature, he came up with the theory of evolution. And actually, when you study uh, this, you'll see that there was a a number of men who were promoting evolution. Darwin didn't come up with it. He just helped refine it. From the observation he made of nature, he came up with the theory of evolution. His book, The Origin of Species, was readily embraced by many and even reached into the religious world. Because the theory was accepted by the intellectuals of the world, many Christians began to compromise the clear teaching of the Word of God and came up with some weird theories to try to make them compatible to Darwin's theory. And so the theory of evolution that was growing up and was percolating in society in the 1800s and in Europe, it had to, it, it fell in a direct contradiction of the Bible. And so these, uh, quote, uh, religious leaders was trying to meld together the Bible, religion, and science. And uh, of course, uh, science was looked on as it is today, you know, just follow the science, just follow the science, just follow the science. The truth doesn't matter, just follow the science, basically. And here uh, they, they were trying to, because they weren't really men who believed God's word, they were religious. Uh, the religion 
uh, had come a long way from the days of Christ and been very corrupt. But they had to somehow uh, make science and religion uh, compatible. And so they came up with some theories. Uh, one of them was the day-age theory. And that's the idea that the seven days, the seven days of creation, that they weren't, they weren't 24-hour days, but they were day ages, that they were long periods of time, and that day one, day two, day three, that they were, that these were eons of time that developed the world as we know it uh, uh, today. The problem with that is you'll see that, uh, you, well, let's look there in uh, chapter 1, verse 8. And God called the firmament of heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. And then look uh, in verse uh, 12. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb yielding seed after its kind, the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after its kind. And God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the third day. And so defining what a day is, sometimes the word day, it's in the Greek, it's yom, yom kippur, the day, it means the day. But yom, sometimes yom could be you know, uh, a, a period of time, like let's say in the day of Joe Biden's presidency, we would think that that's an indefinite period, it's a period of time. Or we could say uh, the day of atonement, which is a specific day. But when it, when it says here, uh, and sometimes day would just be the time of light, it's day, is it day outside yet, or light time, or it can be a 24-hour day. Well, the Bible doesn't leave us here to uh, reason about that. The Bible clearly says, in the evening and the morning were the first day. The evening and the morning were the second day. The evening and the morning was the third day. And so it was definitely 24-hour 24 24-hour 24 periods. So this day-age theory uh, doesn't match up with the Bible. And... It's a, it was a theory that that uh, that uh, was developed to try to to try to make uh, science and history legitimate. Then another uh, theory that came about <coughs> was the. Gap theory. <clears throat> Genesis 1 1 and 1 2. That there was a gap there. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. So in verse 1, we have we have in the beginning. That's the measurement of time. God created the heaven. That would be space. And the earth would be matter. And so in Genesis 1-1, God created time, space, and matter. All of the necessity things to, to put it together. But between, but between Genesis 1-1... And one, two, there's a big gap of time. You see it there, right? You don't see a big split in your Bible between Genesis 1, 1 and Genesis 1, 2? Well, I don't see it either. But what it did, it allowed that great gap of time, a number of things to happen. It allowed the original creation to take place, and Adam sinned. I mean, not, uh, Satan sinned and, and destroyed that original creation, and then God rebuilds it. It allowed for uh, 
the dinosaurs to live on the earth and be buried, and then there's a great catastrophe, and then come about. And so the, the gap theory uh, was a great space of time to justify all this long geological ages that the scientists had come up with. And so the original creation, Satan rebelled, that original creation fell, there was, there was uh, the description that's given to us, and the earth was without form and void, that in the original creation, it wasn't without form and void because when Satan rebelled against God, it became without form and void. Well, again, it's a pretty amazing what lengths men will go to to deny uh, the Bible. And then we have to justify uh, to try to justify science, they have theistic, is I before E? No, theistic. Theistic evolution, and that is that God didn't really create man in seven days, but God did, he had, uh, he put all this together, time, space, and matter, that we answer the question about, well, where did all this stuff come from that man evolved from? Well, God originally created it, and then God just stepped back and let it take its course. And so, and some, so some of these theories can overlap, but, uh, but they were all problematic in studying what the Bible says. Now I want to just. Uh, it seems to. It seems sometimes that because of the great flood of information about evolution that that is in our schools and in our society, that uh, it's uh, not seen as uh, an evil. <coughs> it is evil. It's evil in its teaching. It's evil in its denial of God. And it's evil in its outcome. Evolution is evil because it denies God. Sir Julian Huxley who could probably be identified as the world's premier evolutionist of the 20th century, spoke at the keynote speaker at the great Darwinian Centennial Convocation in 1959. And the University of Chicago said the following, in the evolutionary system of thought, there is no longer need or room for the supernatural. The earth was not created it evolved. So did all the animals and plants that inhabit it, including our human selves, mind and soul, as well as brain and body. So did religion. Evolutionary man can no longer take refuge from his loneliness by creeping for shelter into the arms of a d d divinized father figure whom he himself has created. Uh, I, if I'm not careful, we're going to chase a lot of rabbits this morning. But uh, let's look at his here. Uh, he says, though, it's a process of evolution, and it says, including our human cells, mind and soul, as well as brain and body. Now the brain and the body are physical things that could have, that would relate to, you know, change, and and you could probably link that to your faulty, faulty uh, reasoning of uh, of evolution. But what is a soul? He misses a soul, 
And how does the soul evolve? The Bible says that God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. There's a God-likeness in the soul. The theory of evolution spawned the atrocities of Hitler, Trotsky, and Stalin. Nazi dictator Adolf Hitler, 1889-1945, endorsed a program in Germany to breed a superior race. The scheme was based on horrific evolutionary theory called eugenics and was founded by Charles Darwin's cousin, Francis Galton. The idea of eugenics was to improve the human race using principles promoting the theory of evolution. The idea was simple, partition of the human race into two groups, the fit and the unfit. Eugenics seemed to be, very, uh, be a way to make sure the fit had children and the unfit did not. In Germany, the leaders of the eugenic movement uh, got monstrous laws enacted that allowed sterilization of people regarded as unfit and restrictions of immigrants who were supposedly biologically inferior. The United States and other countries enacted similar laws, but the Nazis took it to extreme with the Jews, blacks, and others who were ruthlessly murdered to prop up the theory. I don't know if you didn't realize that, but yeah, uh, birth control was given to certain people groups and certain social groups in America to stop the reproduction of imbeciles. The German people were being seduced to accept that they could be a master race by exterminating the unfit. If evolution was right, they reasoned, the survival of the fittest was merely a positive evolutionary process then what could be wrong with the hastening the deaths of the unfit? Eugenics could only become popular because the theory of evolution seemed to have squashed the need for a sovereign creator, God, who has given humankind absolute moral laws. When you do away with moral laws, outrageous racism and crimes like compulsory sterilization, Hitler's death camps and mass murder of a maniacal, on a maniacal scale can no longer be said to be evil. Trotsky, another monster brainwashed by evolution, the Russian communist leader Leon Trotsky was a fanatical supporter of Marxism and Darwinism. In the Russian Civil War in 1918-20, he used the force of the Red Army to stamp out whoever he decided were enemies of the Soviet state. He confiscated food from peasants and brutalized the Ukrainian army of insurgent peasants and killed its guerrilla leader uh, in a uh, Makno, I guess. He inflicted torture and violence against Christians, mercilessly uh, trashed churches, and led the society of the godless to, to get rid of religion. Trotsky was mesmerized by Charles Darwin, Origin of the Species, he said, Darwin stood for me like a mighty doorkeeper at the entrance of the temple of the universe. He said that Darwin's ideas intoxicated him, and he could not understand in the slightest how belief in God could find room in the same head as belief in Darwin's ideas. Like Hitler, Trotsky was a tyrant who saw Darwin's theory of evolution as scientific justification for dismissing God's moral laws. He clearly saw that the two ideas, God and evolution, were totally incompatible. His atrocities were consistent with his belief, for when you do away with the idea of the God who created you, and you were given instructions for the right way to live, there's no reason to avoid despicably violent crimes, even if this means murdering everyone who disagrees with you. <coughs> Stalin, it's a, uh, we should read some history in America. We cease to have done that. Mm. Stalin killed millions, 
not just not just a hundred or a thousand or ten thousand or a hundred thousand. He killed millions. He was, he was one of the most evil men in the history of the world. And the foundation that he built upon is still the foundation of Russia. Russian dictator and revolutionist Joseph Stalin was studying at the Telephus Theological Seminary where he started to read the works of Charles Darwin. One of his friends later said in a book that was written, Stalin read Darwin, he became an atheist. The Theological Seminary expelled Stalin at the age of 19 because of his revolutionary connection. Stalin was regarded as the worst mass murderer the world was ever seen. With God out of the way and after embracing Darwin's evolutionary ideas, Stalin had no restriction of conscience or morals. He set up a terrorist police state, persecuted and murdered innocent communists, and, and instituted trials in which most surviving Bolshevik leaders were found guilty of treachery and were executed. He encouraged Stalinist adoration, was included named cities after him, him such as Stalingrad, uh, Stalin Neary and Stalin Gorsk. An advocate, an advocate of homage given to him in virtually all public speeches and in print, he murdered Leon Trotsky. Uh, and if you don't understand it, it's happening, it's happening today in China, the same thing. Jai, however you pronounce his name, X-I, he, uh, he has changed the laws to where he's going to be perpetual leader and he's setting and he's building the groundwork for him to be worshipped as much as Mao was worshipped. And, uh, and it all flows out of the idea that uh, of evolution. Let's skip down to the bottom. The voters of evolution have tried to give respectability to the sin of homosexuality. In 17, 1987, Jacob Smith in the International Northwest Guide magazine said, homosexuality is seldom discussed as a component in evolution, but it undoubtedly plays a role. Homosexual behavior has been observed in almost uh, most animal species studied, and the higher we climb up the taxonomic tree toward mammals, the more apparent homosexual behavior we see. The theory of evolution has promoted racism. <laughs> um, what was new in the Victorian period of, was Darwinism. Before 1859, many scientists had questioned whether blacks were of the same species as whites. And after 1859, the evolutionary schema raised the additional questions, particularly whether or not Afro-Americans could survive the competition with their white near relations? The momentous answer was a resounding no. The African was inferior because he represented the missing link between ape and Teuton, the Teuton are ancient German and Celtic people. And so, uh, What you have to understand, oh, I can't, I, I have to chase a few rabbits. Uh, you have to understand this. Mm. You have to understand this idea of race. The Bible said of one blood God made mankind. That we're all we're all one blood. We all go back to Adam. And 
There is, there is no yellow race, black race, white race, polka dot race. We're all one. And, and actually, <laughs> the race stuff that's going on in America, actually only Christians who understand the Bible understand race, what's going on. The problem is not race. The problem is the sinful nature of mankind. And so this idea of a superior people is, uh, is wrong. And so actually, I mean, <laughs> do you know that at one time in New York Zoo, there was a, an aborigine from Australia no, no, he was a pygmy from uh, Africa that was housed in the New York Zoo. Put on display next to the gorillas. And backed by all the great authorities in Europe. Where did that come from? It come out of Darwinism. It came out of the false thinking of evolution. And, uh, and I'm simply saying to you that <laughs> it's like, a, you know, our school system is fighting race, but at the same time teaching evolution. It's like they're burning their candles at both ends until it burns up. They don't, they're not compatible. The only thing that's compatible, the only thing that's going to change this world is realize that God created man in his own image and that man has fallen. And the only thing that can restore him is the Lord. And so it justifies racism. It's been used to justify abortion. Among some animal species, then infant killing appears to be a natural practice. The grizzlies will, uh, the grizzly males will eat the cubs, and that's just a product of evolution. And so we should take our babies and put them on the table and have dinner, huh? Abortion. The third revelation has taken God out of the standard of morality. <clears throat> so the question comes, you know, if we just evolve, then what standard is the idea of relativism? What's the standard? Well, your standard is just as good as my standard if we're just products of evolution. And you see, <laughs> I mean, it goes, this evolution, what you, got, what you got to understand is evolution, that evolution is not just about, uh, it's not just about beginning, how, how, how mankind evolved into what he is, but evolution is about about religion. It's about uh, personal, personal decisions. I used to think this way, but now I think this way, and my thinking has evolved. Religion, when I went to school back in 1970s, uh, my college professor said this, he said, religion, the, the concept of God and religion were created by, were created by man to explain the unknown. That we were both going down the, the river in the, in the boat, and he had a boat and I had a boat, 
and his boat tipped over and he drowned. My boat didn't tip over and I survived. What, what caused that? Well, to explain that, because that's unexplainable, what caused it? Well, God had to. And so I created in my mind a concept in order to explain that which I can't explain. And so religion has just evolved. Well, that's... Um, it's faulty. And uh, I'm trying just to convey this idea that... Uh, Evolution has become a religion that's evil. It's evil. There's nothing good about it. Now, let's uh, go drop down to the bottom of that middle page on the, right, on the left. The theory of evolution is an insult to man's intelligence. You either have to be a person of blind faith or of low intelligence to believe the propaganda put out by the proponents of evolution. I mean, if you had never been introduced to any of this, and then you come to, and you see the theories of evolution, it's, they're, they're, they're just insane. And they're promoted as being the, the uh, the intelligent ones. Evolution is said to come about by natural selection and the survival of the fittest and chance mutations. And so natural selection and survival of the fittest, the strongest bull moose is going to reproduce He'll produce more stronger bull moose, and that strain is going to survive. And so that's, that's the survival of the fittest. And then to go along with that is mutations. Every once in a while, something happens to where some people only have four toes. And some have five toes. And some have five, four toes with two little bumps on them. <laughs> I have to teach Krista today. Has anybody seen Krista's toes lately? You won't be able to see them today because she's got, got nice warm shoes on. I knew a man who had 12 fingers. Mutations. The, okay, bottom of the page. For example, if there were a baboon clan with both light-haired and dark-haired baboons, and if the dark-haired baboons were the bigger and the stronger, then they would be the ones who would uh, got the most food, the ones who would first mate with the females, and after a while, only the dark-haired baboons would be in the clan. The fish that could swim the fastest would survive to reproduce. It sounds good, and there's no question that in time of hunger and drought, the best fit survive. The only problem is that in real life, the baboon does not conceive when they're first entered into the rut, but at the end of the rut, and it's not the dominant males who first breed the, the father the, and father the babies, but the inferior males who come after the dominant males. The argument of genetic mutations. The idea of genetics is that the offspring will inherit through genes the same characteristics of their parent. Blonde-haired, blue-eyed people produce blonde-haired, blue-eyed children. Sometimes, for some reason, the genetic information in the sperm in the male and the egg in the female will be faulty and will send a signal that will cause a mutation, for instance. Instead of having two hands, they may have only one. Instead of having 10 fingers, they may have 12. This reasoning is used to explain how a fish becomes an amphibian. His fin mutates to a fin leg, then to a leg. 
His gills changed to being able to breathe out of water. But in real life, the survival of the fittest and the mutations do not work together, but oppose each other. The animal that mutates is at a greater disadvantage over the other animals. Just think a little about it. A fish with a good fins has a much better chance to survive than a fish with one leg and three good fins. The fact of the matter is 99% of mutations are harmful. And so I'll give you an example here. Oh, Mr. TNR, the totally naked chicken. TNR, a chicken with no feathers, he did not lose his feathers because if someone was anxious to have him for a meal, feathers simply don't grow on him. TNR, the totally naked rooster, is a mutant, which means a mistake in his genes or chromosomes has caused him to be featherless. Velma Nile from California said that TNR spent nine months at the center of attention in a biology class. His major problems were that he needed to be in a warm place. He got sunburned and mosquitoes would bite him. Velma said that an even greater problem was that he was unable to mate because of his lack of feathers to flap his wings. Evolutionists believe the mutation genetic mistakes have contributed to the development of creatures and to what they are today, but in TNR's case, almost every mutation known has caused either a harm or no improvement. Mutations cause a loss of information and not uh, a gain of information. Drop down to the bottom. A quote taken out of a book by W.A. Criswell. When we try to explain the first appearance of a new organ, this is the evolutionist, such as an eye, there was a time when there was no eyes according to this theory. When we try to explain the first appearance of a heart, there was a time when there was no hearts. When we tried to explain the appearance of an ear, there was a time when there was no ears. When we tried to explain the first appearance of a leg or a lung, there was a time when there were not lungs or legs. When we begin to apply the theory to the actual first appearance of an organ, it becomes an astonishing thing. For example, let us take the eye. There was a time, of course, according to the evolutionists, when there was no eyes. Then where did that eye come from? Well, evolutionist, uh, well, according to the evolutionist, it, it came like this. Upon the body of the creature ages ago, there was a pimple or a freckle or a pigment of skin. And when the light shone on that creature, it was a little more sensitive where the pimple or the freckle or the pigment of skin was. So the creature turned the freckle to the sunlight and as the waves of light beat upon the freckle through millions and millions and, and uncountable millions of years, it gradually became irritated because of a sensitive spot. And that sensitive spot through the centuries gradually became a nerve. And then the irritated nerve gradually turned into an eye. And this is how your eye came to you. How could that one pimple, that one freckle, that one pigment stay in the same place through the millions and millions of uncounted millions of years while the eye was evolving. According to the theory, there had to be another pimple or another freckle and another pigment of skin because you have two eyes and not one. It is not a remarkable thing. Is it not a remarkable thing that they just happen to be in the right place, not on the bottom of your foot or on the top of your head, but on each side of your nose just right? Is it not an unusual thing that there has happened to be just two as those waves of light played on that freckle. Why did those eyes not appear all over the body? Is the eye not a marvelous thing? We do not see the change anymore. Why do, why do we not see eyes in the process of changing now? The theory is an astonishing thing when we apply it to the first appearance of the organ in the body. And so, uh, it's uh, actually very uh, ridiculous. 
the evolutionists say that the evolutionists say that that it was long, long, you know, that non-living, non-living, plus time, let's see, what's my FOIA? What is it? Uh, huh? Chance and uh, time and chance. Material, non-living, non-living material plus time plus chance equals living material. But uh, it doesn't work, and uh, uh, I don't, let's see, I only got a few minutes here. Uh, and so I guess what we would say, there is, micro micro evolution or change within a species but there's never a macro evolution where a dog becomes a cat or whatever but, but here's a I'll let you read this rest of this on your own but what what is Oh, what is the major, what is the bottom line as far as the major issue here uh, of this theory of evolution? Well, first of all, it, it attacks, it's an attack upon the veracity the truthfulness of God's word. Secondly, it's a it's a denial of man's fallen state. What caused man to fall? What was the outcome of man's fall? The moment you eat of this, don't eat, the day that you eat of this, the fruit of the tree, thou shalt surely, thou shalt surely die. That God said you're going to surely die. Separation. Separation from God. The, and when Adam ate of it, he didn't die physically, but he did die in his relationship to the Lord. But evolution is the, the, the uh, what's how do you say, not the necessarily the machine, but the force behind evolution that is needed for evolution to take place is death. The weak have to die, and the strong live, they reproduce, and they're death. Death, 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 death. Evolution places death before Adam. Evolution puts, evolution puts mankind, if here's the beginning of evolution begins, We've got billions and billions and billions and billions and billions and billions of years. Someplace in this 
timeline here is Adam. Where do you think Adam is? And if we have this timeline from the beginning when the evolutionary process started down to today, where do you think Adam would fit in here? Here or here or here? Where would he fit in? Well, if we would compare this time period to a football field, which is 100 yards, and we would say, you know, at, uh, it begins at the zero yard line at the end, and we're going this way, and maybe down here at, uh, you know, about the 50 yard or 45 yard line on this side, that amino acids begin to appear. And then on down through time, and we may have, you know, uh, molecules, molecules developing here over this billions of years. Well, where in this time period would the existence of mankind come about? Okay, so we got 100 yards of football field, and we're trying to measure the time period that man, where, where would man fit in this time scale? The thickness of a piece of paper But God said, in the beginning, not in the end. In the beginning, he created heaven and the earth. And so, um, again, kind of, a, kind of a different lesson this morning. But um, you see, the more you hear something, and the more it gets... Uh, introduced to you on a day-by-day -day basis, the more that it gets in integrated into our societies, the more it gets integrated into our belief system, or not necessarily a belief system, but a way of thinking, I mean, you know, that the automobile has evolved. And thankfully it has evolved, because you could come to church today in a warm car. But that's not what this is teaching. But all this language is entered in, and the more that it enters into our everyday activity, the more that we get wore down from it. But the theory of evolution, to, to, I don't know how strong to put it, but it is anti-God. And it's evil. And it's destroying lives. It destroys societies. It destroys people. And we just need to understand when God has spoken, He has spoken. In the beginning, God created the heaven and earth. And everything that come after that, He created too. Okay? All right. Next week we'll get back into, um, we're going to talk a little bit about the birth of Christ. We'll probably have three or four lessons on that. All right? You're dismissed. <coughs>